Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. God calls us to confess our sins this morning from John chapter 3. John 3 verse 26. Hear God's word. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear the witness that I said, I am not the Christ. I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Thus far the reading of God's word. John's disciples were concerned about John's popularity, about him being overshadowed by Jesus. But John says... That's exactly what I want. I get to announce that the bridegroom is here. He is the life of the party, not me. C.S. Lewis once used the analogy of a worship service and worship leaders as a window that you look through to see God. This service, uh, myself as I lead it, we are a window to lead you in worshiping God. The service, the bulletin, these are windows. My urgent prayer today is that your focus and mind would stay on our Savior. I am only here to announce his arrival, to speak his words from his scriptures, to voice his invitation to eternal life. He must increase. We all must decrease. So let us confess our sins to God when we get focused on ourselves. Let us confess turning our eyes and our heart away. Let's turn back to Matthew chapter 22. Two parables from our Lord Jesus today. They're very closely connected. That last weed in the tares and the harvest at the end of the age. And then also chapter 22 here, the wedding feast. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this word. We ask that you would, uh, as seed is planted in the ground and bears fruit, that you would plant this word into our hearts, into our souls, into our midst, in our families, in our church community, in this neighborhood, in each of our towns. Plant your word and let it bear fruit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Matthew 22, hear God's word, the first 14 verses. And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son and sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the, meet, to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. 
Again, he sent out other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. But when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he sent out his armies, destroyed those murderers, and burned up their city. And then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, Friend, how did you come in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the servants, Bind him hand and foot, take him away, and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, for many are called, but few are chosen. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Dearly loved congregation of Christ Church, God invites you to the wedding feast for his son. Faith in Christ and his saving work is the clothing that you need to enter his joy. That's the summary of what I have to say today. Thanksgiving approaches. And it's a fitting way to close out the church year as we remember God's great harvest at the end of time. And so I want to close with a simple message of gospel invitation today. Uh, The hymn of the month expresses it well. Come ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. So let's consider that song of harvest home today as Jesus puts it in this parable. Why is Jesus telling this story? Matthew 22, he tells us right away. He's trying to get across to us what the kingdom of God is like. Heaven and God is is the same in this phrase. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God. Same idea. And Jesus' first words of his ministry were, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. It's the first thing Jesus said in his public ministry. Notice the close connection between the gospel and the kingdom here. The gospel is the good news that our request in the Lord's prayer has been granted. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's going to happen. That's not just some wish that we throw up into the sky. As a Pollyanna kind of, I wish that could be true. You know, we we read the news and... Then we pray that prayer and we're like, man, in 5% chance of that happening. No, the kingdom of God will come on earth as it is in heaven. We know this. It has begun in the work of Christ on the cross, fulfilling so many promises in in the Old Testament. And it continues in the church's mission, equipped by the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus puts this in story form. 
It's a wonderful thing Jesus does, giving us stories. It's, uh, uh, Richard Pratt has a book that I highly recommend to you. It's called He Gave Us Stories. A wonderful, wonderful book. Uh, Jesus is telling this story to get across what the kingdom of God is like. So what is, what is it like? It's, it's about the Son of God. God the Father does what he does for his Son. That's, that's all you need to know about all of history and all of creati- creation. I'll, I'll say it again. God the Father does what he does for his Son to glorify him. It's like a king who sets up a marriage for his son. That's the story Jesus tells. Uh, in Genesis 1, when God says, let there be light, for example, right? God says, let there be light. Colossians 1.16 says, he, God made all of creation, not only by his word, who is the son, right? God makes all things by the word, by Jesus, Not only through his word, by speaking, let there be light, he speaks words, and those words are the Son, Jesus. But also, Colossians 1.16 says, he made all things for his Son. For Jesus. When God made man, God wanted to reflect his Son's glory all around the world. He always wanted a glorious union of his son with his creation. Bridegroom and bride. King and subjects. That was God's plan all along. And when Adam and Eve messed this up, his son is the solution. The way of redemption. It's it's a lot like, I love the, the story of Pride and Prejudice. Jane Austen. Uh, great story when Mr. Darcy fixes the Bennett's mess and then he is also the bridegroom at the end of the story he's the one Elizabeth needed even though she didn't know it even though she spurns him at first even, he is the one who redeems everything so the kingdom of God is the kingdom of his son that's the son of God Uh, I'm on to the third point already, the invitation. So uh, Jesus sends an invitation to the wedding. And this is key. Most of the the liturgy, the, 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 the verses in the scriptures, the songs that we've sung today have all been invitation oriented. Right? Isaiah 55, come to the waters. Right? The whole thing is oriented around invitation. It, it, when, when the king sends out an, a wedding invitation, it, it's, it's a message. It, it's news. You, you get a letter in the mail. It, it's, a, it's evangelical. That's what that word means. There's a message that you're called to respond to, an invitation. It's gospel. It's good news. There's a wedding. And not just some wedding of some far-off acquaintance. This wedding really matters to you. 
if this wedding doesn't happen, your life is over. But, but God's going to make sure that this wedding happens. And that's your salvation. That's your deliverance. One thing I love about the CREC, uh, for all our criticism of modern evangelicals, we still claim the name evangelical. <laughs> and I love that. It's critical. We must. We have a message for the world. We have an invitation. And the message is that the Son of God is taking a wife and he's getting married. That's the critical thing. You notice I'm, I'm, kind of, I'm saying this not in the kind of the Billy Graham invitation kind of way. I'm doing that on purpose. Right? The message is not centered around me and you. The message is centered around the Son of God. He is the one that God is giving all glory. He invites us into that glory. But it's Jesus Christ who is central. He paid the price to buy his people back from slavery, from condemnation. And that means you. That means me. We are captive to the guilt and the consequences of our sins. But accepting this invitation brings freedom and forgiveness. So come to the wedding. Take Jesus as your bridegroom and join the party. I put it that way, join the party, because that's, that's the prodigal son uh, message at the end, right? It's the elder brother who won't forgive at the end. He won't go into the party. He can't get over himself he can't get over the cost of the sin, the consequence. The Father is willing to forgive and to set it aside. He's done so at the cross. And we're called to that same forgiveness. There's no invitation quite like this one. This is the most unique, the most important invitation you ever receive. It isn't like deciding which Christmas parties to go to this year. This is the invitation. It's a summons, a call from your creator through me right now, his ambassador at this moment. 2 Corinthians 5, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're, it, it's as if God is pleading through me. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. That's the invitation. The story in Matthew 22 gets rather abrupt. Verse 3. He sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding, and they were not willing to come. They make light of the invitation. I've got, I've got to go plow my field. I've, I've got to go to work. I've got to do something else. Whatever it is. We do this because we make light of our sin. And we make light of our situation. We don't think the wedding relates to us. We don't think Jesus matters in our lives. But 
we reject the invitation. When I was in high school, I went to um, American literature class my junior year of high school and read various works of American literature. One of the works that we read was uh, Jonathan Edwards, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God. Wonderful sermon. I commend it to you highly. But the way it was treated in my public high school class was exactly what I'm talking about here. It was treated lightly. It was handled like, how could these benighted people think such awful things of God? That he would be so cruel, so harsh, so judgmental. Jonathan Edwards spoke of, of us, of you and me, as a spider on a spider's web, dangling over a fire. And just one misstep, and that spider will, the web will crash, will break, and the spider will fall into the fire. And that's, that's you and me. There's a reality there that we're just that one step away from God's judgment unless we accept that invitation. People today, even the church at large, even each of us as we hear this, what I just said for the last three minutes, we cringe, we, come, we step back, we say, no, 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 no. God wouldn't be that way. God's loving. Yes, God is loving. He is gracious. But there's an invitation that we must accept. Or we are that spider dangling over that fire. The invitation is rejected by many. It reminds me of a meme that I heard, saw, I don't know, it's been a while now. Uh, a picture of, it's football season again, so maybe this will fit. A picture of crowds of fans at a football game in, in snowy, cold weather. Some of them, you know, the guys shirtless and painted blue, that kind of thing, right? And the caption says on the meme, and you, can't, and you say you can't make it to church? <laughs> it's like, you'll pay a lot of money to go to a football game in the cold and the freezing. But you can't make it to church? We are making light of the invitation. Proverbs 9 fits in here. Those who reject the invitation, they're listening to the foolish woman's invitation, not the wise woman. They're both calling out to those in the streets, come to my house. Come to my house. They're both calling we're all prone to listen to foolishness instead of to wisdom. All kinds of things in the world invite us and call to us. All too often, the rejection that God, the invitation that God gives to us to come to his son's wedding gets drowned out by so many other voices. 
in our lives. Well, what's going on here? Verses 3 and 4 and 5 and 6 in Matthew 22. The context here is, is the Jews' opposition to Jesus. That's the backstory. They are rejecting the invitation. And God is going to judge them after a generation when Rome comes and destroys Jerusalem in 70 AD. And then there's no temple forever. It's still not there. God, they rejected God's invitation. That's what we see in verse 6. They treated him spitefully, they killed his servants. That's the prophets. And Jesus himself, of course. In verse 7, the king hears about it. He is furious. He sends out his armies. He destroys those murderers. He burns up their city. That's Jerusalem, 70 AD. What happened? And that's a, it's a signpost for every civilization since. You reject the invitation of, of Jesus, and that may be coming for you. It comes again at the end of the story when the man with no wedding garment is thrown into the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a sober reminder. This invitation is rejected by so many. I'm trying to think of the words right now. We sing it often. At communion, why was I made to hear your voice and answer and come when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come? So we get an invitation, a second invitation in this text. Verse 8. Then he says to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. <laughs> this is where things get interesting. Because that's talking about us, you and me, the Gentiles. The gospel went to the Jews first, and then to the Greek. And Paul says that's how it should continue to go. And we've been looking at that in Acts. He goes to the synagogues first in every city. But when the synagogues reject him, then he goes to the Greeks. And many of them come. Most of us aren't Jews. We're the Greeks. That's us. We're God's second choice. <laughs> Put it that way. Now, I'm not quite sure how to square that with my Calvinist theology that we were known from the foundation of the world. That's also true, right? We, but we are whoever could be found to fill the reception at the wedding. The point is not that we're so great, right? You would expect that the king of the universe, if he's getting married, would invite the most prestigious guests of the universe, right? And he does. And they turn him down. And so then he says, well, whoever then. I mean, just go walk out the door, and the first person you meet, invite them. 
And so that's what happens. And the apostles go out in, into the world, and the first per- people they meet, they come in. 1 Corinthians 1, not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God chose the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. That's you and me. We need to remember that. Stay humble. We're not here because we're so smart. We're here because God called us and, and caused us to be here. Yeah. The end of that paragraph in 1 Corinthians 1 is the kicker. That no flesh should glory in his presence. God is arranging the whole thing so that his son gets the glory. Not me, not you. Jesus gets the glory. So the invitation goes out a second time. Just go out there and anybody who will come, bring them in. And so we come in. And then you have the appendix. The the appendix is often the the main point of Jesus' parables. Verse 11, the king comes in to see the guests. He sees a man there who doesn't have on a wedding garment. How'd you get in here without a wedding garment? And he's got nothing to say. And he throws him out. Got to have the wedding garment. It's one thing to you, you need to respond to the invitation, but you also need the garment. What is that? Well, we understand as we read all of Scripture that the, the garment, what is required, that Jesus is talking about our faith, our faith in Him. In John six, the. The people ask Jesus after he feeds the 5,000. They come back to him the next day and they're like, give us more, give us more. What what do you want us to do? We've seen that you can give us anything. So so what do we need to do? It's a poignant moment where they say, "You're you're the king of Israel. You're the Messiah. What do you want us to do? And the, the way it's phrased, this is John 6, verse 28, 29, is fascinating. The Bible does this often. It'll just repeat words over and over and over to, to make the point. Here's kind of a, a transliterated translation. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus says, This is the work of God. Did you hear? It's like four times there. What do you do? What do you work? What are we supposed to do? And the punchline is, believe the one he sent. That's the wedding garment. God sent Jesus. He is his... Son, he is our Savior. If you don't believe that, you don't get into the wedding. I grew up with the Heidelberg Catechism. And 
still love it to this day. One of the greatest questions in the Heidelberg Catechism is 60. Go read question 60 later this afternoon. It says, how are you right with God? Here's the answer, and it's, this is the requirement to get into the wedding. How are you right with God? Only by true faith in Jesus Christ. Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against God's commandments, of never having kept any of them, of still being inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ, as if I had never sinned nor been a sinner, as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. And then the punchline, the last line, all I need to do is accept this gift with a believing heart. That's the requirement. Trust in the one that he sent. Now, that faith that we have, justified by faith alone, we've just come through the Reformation Day season. Remember that that is no empty faith. We're justified by faith alone, but not by a faith that is alone. Is the way Sproul has put it well. It's in Galatians Oh, I forgot the reference. Um, I think it's Galatians 6, 5, somewhere around there, where it says, it's not circumcision that does anything for you. It's not being circumcised or not being circumcised. It's faith working through love. That's what Galatians says. Faith works. Faith should permeate your whole life. Only what we do by faith is pleasing to God. I would warn you against the dualism that says that there's life out there in the world, that we live by common sense, and then there's your spiritual life where we look to the Bible and we trust God. Don't don't look at life that way. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Scripture says. Only what arises out of faith pleases God in every area of your life. So, moving more towards application here. Think of it like, like you're getting the news. Right? Like 10, 20 years ago, I might have said something like this. Well, imagine yourself, you're on your couch and you're reading the paper. Or you're, reading, or you're watching the news. Well, we don't really do that anymore. Maybe imagine getting a breaking news notification on your phone or something, however you get the news. But the message is, it's news. Jesus is risen from the dead. That's the evangel. The message to which we respond. Jesus died on the cross to atone for your sins. Now, what's the response to this? The first critical thing is to believe it. Not to say, oh, that's a nice story they told, but I'm not sure it's objective historical fact. No, it's true. You need to believe it. And 
this is right where we live these days because we hear things on the news, we read things on the news, and we are really cynical today. We read that Hamas attacked Israel on October 7, and a lot of us are like, did that really happen? I'm not sure that happened. need to believe it like you came to believe it was true that Hamas actually attacked Israel. It isn't a conspiracy theory. It isn't just a story to get you to live a decent life. It isn't a mainstream narrative cooked up to manipulate the masses. This actually happened. And it's glorious. Jesus is alive. And then, back to the point before now, that faith works. That kind of faith, if you believe that, that will get you off the couch. Most of the news we listen to, there's nothing to do for us except to get mad. <laughs> really, what, what else is there to do? We probably ought to rethink some life choices pretty seriously, honestly. If we're just going to take in a bunch of stuff that's the only thing it's good for is to make us mad. Maybe that's a bad idea. That sidetrack, sorry. But this? Jesus alive? That's something you'll go show your neighbor the news in amazement. I don't know if you've had the experience. We, every now and then, sometimes I think my, my family's moments of being closest these days are when we, we take out our phones and we're scrolling through something and we come across this cool meme and, and the action we do, we do this, this kind of thing, like, look at this. It's like, I'm going to show you what's most important to me because what's most important to me is what's on this screen. So I'm going to show that to you. And that's a very intimate moment. Which is kind of weird, I know, but that's where we are these days. But think about that. That's the gospel invitation. This news that I've got right here, this is most important to me. So I'm going to show you. This is it. And you'll go back in the house after you tell your neighbor and you'll tell your family. You'll help your wife with dinner and you'll be kind to your family and you'll work harder at your schoolwork and you'll love your fellow church members all because you believe that Jesus is the risen Lord, the king of the universe who conquered death and hell and threw your guilt back into the accuser's face and threw the, then threw them both into hell. And he's going to throw hell into the lake of fire. Every year I, we watch the Luther movie on Reformation Day. The best line in there is when Luther's preaching in the church. And he says, So when the devil throws your sins in your face and declares that you deserve death and hell, tell him this. I admit that I deserve death and hell. What of it? For I know one who has suffered and made satisfaction on my behalf. His name is Jesus Christ, Son of God. 
And where he is, there I shall be also. That's the beginning point of true faith that works boldly for Christ. So again, it's gospel invitation. It's the Chronicles of Narnia when Jill in the silver chair meets Aslan at the very beginning in the wood with the stream. And he's sitting there by the stream and he says, if you're thirsty, you can drink. And I'm paraphrasing and condensing here, but she says, she's afraid of the, the lion. She doesn't know the lion. She doesn't know Aslan. Says, Would you go away first so I can drink? I mean, I'm, if I'm going to take a drink, then you're going to probably eat me. It's like, yeah, I've eaten a lot of people, actually. He kind of growls. It's like, you can't, there's no other stream to drink from. And I've... The only stream is the one that I have. Will you drink? That's the invitation. The Puritans described pastoral ministry as preparing people for their death. A little morbid, I know, but it's true. You and I will be standing before God's throne on the last day. And the invitation that I'm offering to you today is to ensure that you will be there with me, confident in Christ, rejoicing in our Redeemer. So drink today from the living water that is Christ. How do you do that? First of all, you pray. You submit to him. You admit that you have sinned against him, that you need forgiveness from God. You throw out all the ways that you've been trying to deal with your guilt. And you throw it all on the cross of Christ. Another way to put that is, is this. You get over yourself. One way that the modern world, the woke mentality, call it what you want, has also infected the church is, is that we cannot get over ourselves. Everything is about us. how sinful you are or how righteous you are. We can err either way. We have to get over that and accept God's forgiveness in Christ as greater than anything that you bring to the party. And that's the good news. Is that life isn't all about you and all up to you. Thank the Lord, because else we'd be in a world of hurt. Right? Nothing in my hands I bring, says the old hymn. Simply to your cross I cling. So, back to Jesus' parable. You show up at the party, and you are given the right thing to wear. 
You are given the faith that you need. But if we can't get over ourselves, we're like, I got to bring this into the party. I've got to give the host this. I've got to do that. Or I'm not worthy enough to be here. That all keeps, keeps God's glory from moving forward. No. You're given the right thing to wear. You're given the faith you need. And then you sing. My sin, oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O oh my soul. So come to Jesus today. God invites you to the wedding feast for his son. Faith in Christ, faith in his saving work is the clothing that you need to enter his joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for inviting to the feast those who have rebelled against your ways. But Lord, you treat us not as rebels, but as future friends, present friends. You call us to yourself. You call us to extend the forgiveness that you've given to us, to those around us. Lord, help us to do so, pursuing your kindness, your goodness, your justice as well. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us all things that we need in Christ. We pray in the name of Jesus. to repeatedly, along with the invitation theme of this morning, a poem by George Herbert called Love. Love bade me welcome, yet my soul drew back, guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love, observing me grow slack from my first entrance in, drew nearer to me, sweetly questioning if I lacked anything. A guest, I answered, worthy to be here. Love said, you shall be he. I, the unkind, ungrateful? Ah, my dear, I cannot look on thee. Love took my hand and smiling did reply, Who made the eyes but I? Truth, Lord, but I have marred them. Truth, Lord, I have marred them. Let my shame go where it doth deserve. 
and know you not, says love, who bore the blame? My dear, then I will serve. You must sit down, says love, and taste my meat. And so I did sit and eat. The spirit and the bride say, come. And all those who are baptized and under the authority of Christ and his body, the church, as we eat the bread and drink the wine together, we are acknowledging that we are sinners without hope except in God's sovereign mercy, that we're trusting in Christ alone for our salvation. So come and welcome to the Lord Jesus. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.